grace of God that bringeth salvation. Amen to that. Hath appeared unto all men. I, 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 don't, I don't believe in correcting our Bibles. Can I get amen out of that? But you can write your name next to that little phrase. That includes you. Amen. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us. You can write your name next to that, amen. That He might redeem us. You can put your name next to that. From all iniquity and purifying Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority let no man despise thee. Thank God for the reading of His Word. Beginning in Titus chapter 2, we dealt with this Wednesday night. Paul begins to instruct Titus about the importance of speaking the things that become sound doctrine. In other words, he was preaching on how we ought to live. Amen. And we established the fact that Paul is not preaching uh, that we have to live this way in order to be saved but that we ought to live this way because we have been saved. We like to quote that verse, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Uh, behold, all things become new. And I like that verse, uh, but that verse is indicating, that verse is teaching that a change has been made, that a difference has been made in our life. And I want to say this, I thank God for the difference that Jesus Christ has made in my life. We can see that difference in verse number 11. In the grace of God. Notice our Bibles again. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. In this verse I see it is amazing grace. Amen. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. We are reminded of man's depravity. We are reminded of that man without God is nothing more than a lost sinner on his way to hell. He has no hope of saving himself. He has no hope of helping himself. He is lost without God. We're reminded of man's defilement. That because of our sin, our sins have separated us from God. And we can't have that fellowship and that relationship with Him because of our sin. We're reminded of man's debt. How that that debt, how that sin debt has piled upon us. And, and there's no way that we could ever pay. The wages of sin is death, Paul would say. And thus we're reminded of man's dilemma. Uh, because of our sin, the soul uh, that sinneth, it shall surely die. Oh, but thank God for amazing grace. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. That little, that little phrase, grace, that little word grace, it means unmerited favor. This means we did nothing to earn or receive God's love. Can I get an amen out of that? I wasn't good enough. I didn't pay enough money. God gave me grace, not based on who I am, uh, but based on who 
He is. John Newton lived in the 1700s and he was a slave trader. He was a very vile and wicked man who lived only for himself and for the gratification of the flesh. He hated God. He hated the Bible. He hated the church. He hated everything uh, that was pure and right. Uh, But one night while on one of his wicked missions, he was on a boat and a storm began to rage and it began to wash his crew overboard and men began to die. And as he held on to that mast that night, he called out to God and he got born again and he got saved. And when he got back to land he sold his business and he became a preacher of the gospel and he became a pastor an ordained minister and one night he was going to preach a sermon on the grace of God they didn't have Facebook live they didn't uh, what was it taking notes back then and so uh, many of those preachers in those days would write a little tune would write a little chorus of a song uh, to help uh, more of like a chant if you would uh, to help the congregants remember what the sermon was about so on that particular night, the little poem that he wrote about the grace of God went like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. John Newton said anybody that could say that grace wasn't amazing or isn't amazing is somebody that has never experienced the grace of God. I'm telling you, when I got saved, I stepped all the way from the bottom to the top. Amen. I got born again, reconciled to God. like Brother Langston said, man, God's come a long way. Amen. And that horrible pit he pulled me out of in Psalm 40, Brother Langston said, God didn't cover that pit up, uh, but he put a sheet of glass over it. Amen. And I can't never go back down in that pit, uh, but he lets me walk over and look down to see where he brought me from. That is amazing grace. And Paul said, I want to remind us all for the grace of God. It is what brings salvation. Amen. It is amazing grace. It is appearing grace for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Have appeared. That little word appeared is a very interesting word. It means to show up. It means to bring to light. It means to appear. But this is my favorite definition. It means to appear as of stars. Now, I, I, I understand tonight that, that the, the church that I pastor, uh, most of the time a church takes on the personality of that pastor. May God help you all. And so we may not be the sharpest uh, pencils in the pencil box, but I will say this. We all know that we can't go out in the middle of the afternoon at 3 o'clock and look up in the sky and see stars shining. Stars don't appear until it's real dark. Stars don't appear until the blackness fills the sky. Well, aren't you glad that's the way the grace of God shows up? It shows up in a life that is full of darkness. It shows up in a life that is full of sin. The grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared. I'm glad God's grace showed up in my life. Aren't you glad for that tonight? I'm glad God's grace made the difference. It is amazing grace. And it is it is appearing grace. But I love this in verse 11. 
Listen, it is all grace. He said, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I'm glad it doesn't matter red, yellow, black, and white, rich or poor, what side of the tracks you come from. Oh, God's grace can reach you. He is not willing that any should perish, oh, but that all should come to a repentance. Thank God for His amazing grace, His appearing grace, and His all men grace. I'll tell you, His grace is so rich, it'll reach a little church kid uh, who just stole a cookie out of the cookie jar, uh, but realizes they need to be saved. But I'll tell you how amazing that same grace is. It'll reach below the bottom to the dregs of society, uh, to the drug dealer, to the rapist, to the murderer, uh, to the liar, to the thief, and it can reach down and save and make a difference in their life. What is that tonight? It is the grace of God. Has anybody experienced God's grace, God's saving grace, God's changing grace, uh, God's grace that showed up uh, in the dark midnight of your soul? Thank God for His amazing grace. Uh, you're not going to get saved by joining the church. You're not going to get to heaven by being baptized. You're not going to get to heaven by being a better person. Hey, your wife can be saved. Your husband can be saved. Your children can be saved. Oh, but if you've not been saved yourself, uh, if you've not come to Christ yourself, uh, then when you die, I'm not being rude, but you'll split hell wide open. Marvel not, Jesus said to Nicodemus, uh, marvel not that I said to thee, ye must be born again. I'm afraid we have people in our churches uh, that think because they sit on a church pew, uh, they think because they enjoy the singing or enjoy the preaching, that uh, they're automatically saved. But I will remind you tonight, uh, everybody is a sinner. All have sin. I know it's Sunday night, but let me preach this. All have sin and come short of the glory of God. All men are sinners. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Can I ask you a question tonight? Has there ever been a time in your life when you came to Christ, when you trusted Him as your personal Savior? I didn't say you got baptized. Are you listening to me? I didn't say that you got baptized. I didn't say that you went forward and joined the church. I didn't say that you said, I'll never do that again or I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be a better person. That is not what salvation is tonight. Salvation is coming to Jesus Christ as a sinner. You realize, I'm not talking about you got to cry crocodile tears and you got to snot all over our carpet. Oh, but I am telling you tonight oh, that you got to realize oh, that you are guilty, that you can't save yourself. I'm not preaching on this tonight, but I can't get off of it. Some of you are trusting in a prayer and you're not trusting in Jesus. Some of you are trusting in a profession like I preached last Sunday and you're not trusting in Jesus. Some of you are trusting in, uh, in your good deeds and your good works, uh, but you're not trusting in Jesus tonight. If they, if they were to, if Hamas was to bust in here tonight, I'm not saying they never will. But if some terrorist organization, some God denier, and by the way, that's what they are, a bunch of God deniers, and I promise you God's going to have His way with Hamas one day. Can I get amen out of that? If they were to bust in this place tonight, hold a gun to your head, are you ready to die? Pull it out in that parking lot, somebody run a red light, somebody run a stop sign, and you go out and turn it to you ready to meet God? Will it do when you're dying? Are you ready to die with what you have? Are you ready to face God? With, I, I know we all have regrets and mistakes, even as believers, uh, that we're not proud of. I'm not speaking of that. I'm talking about the condition of your eternal soul. 
Well, preacher, I went forward and I prayed the prayer in Bible school or in Sunday school and that teacher patted me on the head and told me I was saved. I'm not saying that somebody can't get saved in Bible school or Sunday school a thousand times. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. Oh, you better not trust a prayer. You better not trust what you've said. You better put all your faith and your trust in what this book says and what Jesus says. A lot of people die and go to hell because of 18 inches. They had it in their head, but it was never in their heart. Uh, and y'all know tonight that there is a, uh, uh, it is greatly important, greatly important that you know that you are saved. That you know that you have been born again. Quit telling people, can I, can I help, can I help parents out, parents of adult children? Quit telling your adult children you know they're saved. Quit testifying about that. They may make a profession, but you don't know. You can go based off their word. But if you keep saying, yeah, I know they're saved. The only person here that I know 100% sure is saved is me. Now I'll be able to see fruit in your life. Paul told that church at Thessalonica. He said, I see your work of patience, your labor of love, your work of patience and your labor of love and your patience of hope. I will be able to see fruits of that. But at the end of the day, I'm responsible for my soul. Have you came to Christ? Have you experienced the grace of God? Have you been born again? A lot of people have just gone through an emotional experience. They went down because somebody else went down. Are you hearing me tonight? They and I'm not, being, I'm not saying people can't get saved like that. Why am I preaching on this? This is not my sermon tonight. This is all introduction. Uh, but 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 they go through the motions because somebody else went down the altar. They went down the altar, or because their sibling made a profession. Uh, they made a profession because their wife or their husband made a profession. They made a profession, but they have never come to Christ themselves. Now some some folks make a profession because they got caught. They got caught doing something they ought not do. And so the convenient thing to do was just get saved. Get the kind of the heat off of them a little bit. That's not biblical salvation. Your repentance is not regret. Regret is I hate that happened. Repentance is I, I am turning from that life of my sin. We read it last week. They profess that they know God, but in works deny Him. There are some people, they speak, Oh yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. But look at their life, their works, their life denies the fact that they've been saved. If you're saved, there's going to be chastisement in your life if you get away from God. If you're saved tonight, you're going to love the Bible. Are you going to read it like you're supposed to? No, we still have a flesh we struggle with. But there's going to be a desire for God's Word. Hey, if you're saved, you're going to love Christian brothers and sisters. 1 John 3 teaches us that. We love the brethren. Jesus said, by this shall all men know you, my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. We've got so many people that have gone through the motions of religion. Well, preacher, I believe in Jesus. That's wonderful. But belief don't save you. If belief saved you, if belief saved you tonight, let's think logical. If believing Jesus saved you, then every devil in hell is saved. Because James chapter 2 teaches that the devils believe and tremble. James said, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So having faith alone does not save. There has to be repentance. 
There has to be a turning from that life of sin. I know I sound like a broken record, but here I am. There has to be a turning from that life of sin and coming to Christ. What are you bargaining with God on for your soul? Well, I, 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 and you'll ask people, are you saved? And they'll go through this long story. Well, I saw this light at the foot of my bed. Or I had this happen. Or my grandma, when she is dying, patted me on the head and said, You love Jesus, don't you? Well, yeah, grandma, I love Jesus. And I just, I just was saved then. It doesn't line up biblically. Well, I prayed the prayer, preacher. I, and I'm, and I, I, I prayed when I got saved, but I ain't trusting my prayer to save me. Well, the, the Bible said, For the heart man believes in the righteous, then with the mouth confession is made in the salvation. So that mouth confessing salvation did not save that individual. The, the, the belief in the heart, for a man believeth in his heart, then confession is made. I know I have preached this so much. And, and I'm writing a book on it right now, and Miss Linda's helping me on that. I guess that's why it's on my mind tonight. But I'm telling you, it w- I would hate to know that there had been individuals that had came to this church week after week after week, and they saw me open up that King James Bible, and I walked through verses, and I preached, and they made a mental agreement with what I was saying. They said, Preacher, I mentally, boy, that is exactly right. But at the end of the day, they had never come to Christ for themselves they simply went through the motions went through the motions went through the motions and had never been saved they said during the war between the states especially at the battle of Gettysburg when they were cleaning up the arms and the and the uh, and the rifles and the guns that were left behind that they found multiple muskets brother Travis that had multiple shots stuffed down in the barrel we understand in those days they did not have automatic weapons. It was very hard in those days. You think, I mean, war is hard now. War was really war then. They would fire a shot. They'd bring their rifle down, get, get, the, get the ball, shove it down, pull their gunpowder in there, shove it down. Then they'd have to throw up and shoot and take. A good man could load and reload about 45 to one minute, 45 seconds to one minute. But here's what happened. You got brothers on both sides. Shooting at one another. And they really didn't want to shoot one another. So what they found, Brother Charles, was multiple guns with as many as 20 and 30 shots stuffed down in that barrel. And here's what they were doing. Because of the fray, because of the smoke, because of the noise, they would throw up with their gun, and you couldn't tell who was firing because of the smoke. They'd throw up and never fire. Put the gun back down and shove another, shove another musket ball down in the rifle and throw up again. What they were doing, they had the form. They were going through the motions, but they weren't pulling the trigger. Paul said that in the last days, do you agree we're living in the last days tonight? Paul said that in the last days, they would have a form of godliness. They would have a form of godliness. They would have a form of God. They'd sing in the choir. They'd be in the pews. Y'all know I don't preach like this much, and I wouldn't plan on preaching this tonight, uh, but they would, they'd have a form of Godliness. But you know what they're doing? They are denying the power thereof. That's what them soldiers were doing. They had the form, but they wasn't pulling the trigger where the power was at. And there's a lot of people, they have never come to Christ. What are you trusting in for your soul tonight? Are you trusting in a profession? I know I preached that last Sunday morning. 
I understand I moved on from that text. I get that. But has the grace of God ever appeared in your life? God's grace includes you. It, I'm, I'm so glad tonight that I don't believe the heresy of Calvinism. Calvinism teaches that only some can be saved and some can't be saved and there's nothing that either sides can do about it. My Bible said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That means all men. I can't explain all of it, uh, Brother Travis. I can't explain all of it, Brother Eric. But that text said it appears to all men. I believe that indicates that all humanity will have an opportunity to respond. Well, what about the heathen in Africa or the heathen in, 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 in the third world countries that's never heard? And, and you realize there's still places on this earth that they are still living very primitive or cut off from the rest of the world. What about those people? I just believe God's Word. I just believe that. So if we believe that God's going to get... You've heard the Gospel. You have heard truth tonight. I'm not a great preacher. But you won't find nobody that tries to preach the gospel any clearer than I do. You've heard that truth. If you've come here more than four services, you've heard Jesus died, was buried, and He rose again on the third day for our justification. You can be saved. You know, we talk about, I ain't going to get to the rest of it. We're going to, I'm going to finish this and, and give my burden. But we talk about, you know, the degrees of hell. And we'll say, you know, I believe hell's going to be hotter for that person. <clears throat> you ever heard that before? And what will you say? Yeah, hell's going to be harder for a child molester. It ought to be. Well, hell's going to be harder for them people that went over there and killed them babies over in Israel and decapitated them and in front of their parents and then killed the parents. And I, I agree with that. But you know how God meets out judgment according to truth? What does that Bible say? To whom much is given, much is required. You want to hear a little Montgomeryology that I think is pretty right? I think hell's going to be hottest for the person who knew the truth and rejected it. Those that knew what the Bible said, that knew the gospel, that had it all right here, but they never came to Christ. Now, if you're confused tonight, that's not conviction. The Bible said, for God is not the author of confusion. But if you're convicted tonight and there's something in your heart saying, He's talking to you. That's exactly right. You've got it all in your head, but you've never come to Jesus. And your heart's beating out of your chest and you know, I'm not talking about, well, I need to get assurance. I, I understand there's people that have that issue and they need to get assurance. And I'm glad to help people with that. That is part of my ministry on the road. And as a pastor, is trying to help people make sure they know they're saved. But the Lord's put a burden on my heart here in just the last few minutes. There's somebody here tonight that's lost. You know who you are. God's working on your heart. He's, he's saying, he's, the preacher's talking to you. That scripture's for you. You've never been saved, you went through the motions, you made a profession, but you've never been born again. Who is that tonight? I'm going to tell you, hell will be hotter for you, friend. Because you knew the truth and you rejected truth. You knew what the Bible said, but you rejected it. Wouldn't that be awful? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be awful to come to a church and hear preaching and come to a church like this and hear truth and yet die without God 
and go to hell. You know, if there's ever been a time to make sure you're saved, Paul said make your calling and election sure. It's now. Somebody said, boy, this world's gotten a mess. Yeah, all the while, all the, all the more important to make sure you know you're saved. Examine yourself. How do you examine yourself? Line up your salvation experience with this book. Well, preacher, I joined the church. Can I let you in on something? We have church membership. But church membership is simply for the fact for voting and accountability. Amen. If you're saved, you're a part of the body of Christ. You ought to, you ought to be a part of a local assembly, which is what this is. But church membership don't do anything for you in the eyes of God concerning your justification. Well, preacher, I've been, I have been baptized in the baptistry. Maybe in this one. Well, that don't mean anything. All that is, and I'm not being irreverent tonight, all that is is a glorified bathtub. Baptism is for believers only. It's believer's baptism. You don't get baptized until after you get saved and become a believer. Well, I know I'm saved. It's preacher, boy, if you knew my mama, if you knew my daddy, if you knew my grandma, boy, they loved God. That don't mean you're saved. Preacher, I know I'm saved. Because, man, I like to hear you preach. Well, bless your heart. I'm glad, but that don't save you. <laughs> Judas liked to hear Jesus preach. He followed around for three and a half years, heard every sermon he ever preached. How many sermons have you heard Jesus preach? Well, I know who I'm saved because of who my preacher is. Judas scared, had the greatest preacher of all time, and he died and went to hell. So it don't matter who your preacher is. Do you know you're saved tonight? You young people, do you know you're saved? You adults tonight, you young families, it'd be awful to raise a family and them children be on the age of accountability and they get taken up in the rapture and you're running through the house looking for your babies, looking for your kids because you've never been born again. Are you saved? The Bible said, boy, I didn't plan on preaching this tonight. But the Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So I said, Preacher, I just don't know if I'm under conviction. You realize that you're not saved? Is that, is that unsettledness in your soul? You know what? You know to the people that are saved tonight, I need some people that are saved to help me testify this, but the people that are saved tonight, you know what this is doing? It's comforting them saying, You know what? Boy, I'm glad I know I'm saved. I got it settled. I am... There's a reality to that. But there are some people, you're trusting in something that cannot do anything for you. The Bible said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. Well, I've just always loved Jesus. Loving Jesus don't save you. You go, to, you go to them mission fields and you ask people, you, oh, I love, they love Jesus. Yeah, they love Jesus. I don't doubt their love. But that's not the, that's not the precedence for salvation. The precedence for salvation is turning from your life of sin and giving your life to Jesus Christ. You know why some people struggle so much in and out, on and off, back and forth, no consistency? You know why? Because they're trying to live a life and they're dead. It's like us going down the Hartzell, and I'm not being irreverent to the dead tonight, but it's like us going down the Hartzell, pulling somebody out of a casket, setting them on a pew, and trying to get them to sing, 
trying to get them to say amen, trying to get them to follow along. We can even get somebody behind them to raise their hand. We can even get somebody to help them up get up in the choir. But you know what? They have no life in them. And you wonder why you can't enjoy that abundant life that everybody else enjoys. I, read, I was reading a book today that said the abundant life is only for those who have life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Well, preacher, if I go down there and get saved, what's everybody in this church going to think? That's your problem. You've got a pride issue. You better be more worried about what God knows about you than what people think about you. Let's stand. That's all I've got. That's all I need to go tonight. Brother Matthew's going to play a verse of invitation. I don't know how to give an invitation in this. But if you're unsettled tonight, if you're the one...